Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Hello, and welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author, Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Karin Norden. Karin is an author, martial artist, cosplayer, and self-proclaimed cat whisperer. Her first novel, Where Ravens Roost, pardon me, was shortlisted for the 2022 CWA John Creasy New Blood Dagger Award, and her second novel, Last One Alive, was a 2022 ITW Best Ebook Award nominee. She has an MSc in Creative Writing from the University of Edinburgh and an MA in Scandinavian Literary Studies from the University of Amsterdam. Born in the biggest little city in the world and raised in America's Rust Belt, she now lives in the Netherlands. Sweet Little Lies is her first standalone psychological thriller. Welcome, Karen. Thank you for having me. So fun. Okay, so I have my, there she is, gorgeous cover. Tell our listeners a little bit about Sweet Little Lies. So Sweet Little Lies follows the story of Lexi Wicker, who is a young woman. And 15 years ago, her sister Amber was murdered after the homecoming dance. Now, 15 years later, Lex's ex-boyfriend, Riley, is on or is on death row for the crime and is about to be executed when she starts to believe maybe he didn't actually do it and the real killer is still out there. Such a fun read. It's super one of those super fast, flip the pages, stay up too late. Tell, um, do you remember, I always like to hear like the way authors come up with their story ideas. So do you remember sort of how this story started, started what the seed in your brain was? Well, I always start my stories with a relationship between two people. My first two books centered around like adults and their adult parents. And I really wanted to do a story about sisters because I have two sisters and that relationship between sisters can be really challenging emotionally. There can be great love, but there can also be great strides uh, between sisters. And so I started, I knew that I wanted to start the story uh, between sisters. And I just had this image in my head of a young woman kind of running through the woods. Something had happened. She had witnessed something or she had done something. And when the police picked her up, she basically refused to tell them what it was she had seen or what it was she had done. And that was kind of the seed of the idea. I love it because I totally captured that in the um, on the cover too, right? And yes. it's the night of their um, homecoming. So everybody is, um, right, dressed up and... Yeah, it's supposed to be, you know, like one of the biggest nights of a young girl's life they say especially if you're an american girl you know homecoming prom that is like your time to shine before you become an official adult right. and i kind of i had always struggled with that night when i was younger like homecoming and prom for me was always like oh no i have to get somebody to ask me to go to the dance it was always a very stressful time but then yeah you know, the dance the dance comes and it always turns out really well um and i thought what would happen if it didn't turn out the way everybody thinks it should or expects it to plus it's a, i mean it's such a fun age to explore right? i mean she's now looking back on this right as a much yes. older person but she's in the school system right i mean she's working yes. there 
um, as a janitor, which is, you yeah. know, of course, not probably what she had planned for her life. Um, but, you know, so she's reminded every day of that loss and seeing these kids. And I mean, I think that's what's fun about that is that sort of the ways in which her, her memories are triggered about that night is because she's just with these kids all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And for me, that was kind of like a personal issue because I kind of grew up with this fear that I would never get out of the small town that I lived in, that I would be trapped there, that I would, and that that would just become my life. And a lot of my friends, that's what they wanted. They wanted to stay there. They wanted to yeah. have their families there. And so I thought, yeah. I want to tell a story about the girl who wanted to get out, but then didn't get out. Yeah. And what happens, yeah, like you said, when you're reminded every single day, um, just because of where you work and because of the people around you of this, the most horrible day of your life. And in those small towns, people stick around. So it's not like there's new they people do. to who don't remember the story. Everybody knows that story, right? Yes. I mean, it is, it's interesting. Like, it, I think there's something to writing about your sort of your, I mean, implanting some of your own worst fears, right? You're like, mm -hmm. I was terrified to get stuck here. And so my character's stuck here, right? Yes. Now, I, you yes. said you grew up in the Rust Belt. Where, whereabouts? Uh, Ohio. Okay. So around, yeah, around, well, my parents, my dad was actually in the military, so we moved around a lot. But when um, I was around middle school, high school, uh, we, we stayed in Ohio. And um, it was very strange for me because I had been used to being picked up and moved almost every year. Right. And then all of a sudden, this is where we're going to stay. You're going to live here. This is, this is where you're going to be from from now on. And that was just a new concept to me. And of course, it was yeah. a smaller town. And it was like one of those yeah. towns where everybody knows everybody. And of course, coming in as a new person, you felt kind of like an outsider. But then by the time you get through the system, through the high school, everything, that town becomes your identity almost. And yeah, so that was that was definitely a, a big part of, you know, creating the the setting and the atmosphere of the book. Now, do you feel like you used elements? I haven't read your first two books yet. But have, do you feel like you used elements of your own stories in those as well? It's funny, because when my mom read my first two books, she said, oh, I know where that came from. Oh, I know where that came from, where I see, you know, so yeah. there are, I would put some things in, not a, not a lot, nothing that was like very obvious, but I think maybe this is like a writer thing. I try to put the emotions of real life and experience into the stories. I think all, all, probably all writers do that in some way or another. Can you give us an example from one of your earlier stories where you feel like you injected your own yeah, so uh, my first book, my first book actually focused around a man dealing with his father who had Alzheimer's and mm -hmm. um, two of both of my grandfathers suffered from Alzheimer's. So a lot of the conversations that that character had with his dad actually came from real conversations that yeah. either I had with my grandfather or my mother had with my grandfather. So that was that was something that was actually real. Some of that dialogue was actual conversations. Yeah, that I mean, that gives it authenticity, right? Um. Yeah. So you mentioned that you always start with a relationship. Talk to me about that because that's interesting. How do you sort of how do you hone in on the relationship that you are going to write about and where do those things come from? Yeah, I've never I've always kind of seen myself as somebody who focuses more on character than on the actual plot of a story. Of course, the plot's important, but for me, I have to feel a connection to the character. And in order for me to feel a connection to the character, I have to understand like what is their most significant and important relationship in their in their world or in their life. And then how does that affect them and how could that possibly affect 
whatever is thrown at them in the story. So for example, in Sweet Little Lies, I knew I wanted to write a story about sisters. And so I said, okay, well, what are aspects of sisterhood? What are the things that we all experience when we have a sister or a very close sibling and the, both the good and the bad? And then I kind of took all of those emotions and thought, okay, now how could I make this even more heightened uh, for right. the sake of the story? So that's, and that's how also, I try to focus. It's story. also a lot about mother-daughter, right? Yes. I mean, talk yeah, that's to- true. I mean, that is, I mean, because the sister's gone and the dad is gone, um, there's a very, you know, there's a very, it's a very, and that it has all the elements of the struggles between, you know, parenting your parent and, you know, the a parents, I mean, they're both dealing with the same grief, right? But it's in very different ways. Yeah, the mom was definitely, it was kind of a struggle for me to write, actually, because, you know, she's the absolute opposite of my mother. Yeah. Um, but I I knew I wanted a character that was going to, like you said, was going to experience grief differently from the protagonist. And the yeah. protagonist is struggling with grief by trying to move on, whereas her mother is, you know, struggling with grief by trying to stay in the past. And, of course, only remembering... Um, the good things about the daughter who has passed. And that's something I love to focus on in my books. I love to focus on, you know, how we remember things and mm-hmm. whether we actually remember things the way we think we remember them, or do we just remember them through our emotions? And the mother and the daughter in this book are definitely a good example of that. Yeah. And I think it's true of all of us, right? We, we change our memories to fit, you know, I mean, especially when someone dies, right? They immediately yes. become a much better human than they might have been on earth right i mean it's Absolutely. really yeah so that yeah, is we don't want to speak we don't want to speak poorly of somebody who has passed and sometimes they they weren't a bad person we just forget the bad moments we had with that person of course and, which is uh, yeah which is fair but it also like i mean oftentimes if we're comparing like you know two sisters right and one's alive and one's not then the benefit of the doubt often goes to the one who's gone, which is, yes. which means we don't celebrate the living, which is, you know, it's exactly. a trick, right? It's a very, yeah. it's, it's very complicated, but I think grief is, a, is very complicated. So, um, and I like the sisters. So where do you fall in the three sisters? In your I'm own, the oldest. You're the oldest. Yeah. I'm I, the oldest. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's interesting too, right? The older sister as is the character she's the older sister as well. And there's this idea that you're supposed to take care of your younger siblings when, I mean, oftentimes we don't really have any control. I mean, parents don't have any control over their children at a certain age. And so how would you have control over a younger sibling? So that is, it's all very, it's, it's, it's fun to explore those, um, those expectations that we fail at. Right. And I think firstborns oftentimes I'm a firstborn too. The expectations yeah, are much higher, I feel like. It is. It's and it's funny because they talk we talk people talk about like the trope of like the the birth order and uh, yeah. but you know there is a lot of truth to it because when you're the first one born there are a lot of expectations of you and expectations yeah. of your behavior and what you're yeah. going to achieve in life and then as more children come along like the rules get a little bit looser because Yeah. Parents are a little bit older, they're a little bit more tired, you know, yes. or the or the responsibility is going on the older siblings to right. kind of mind the younger ones. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a factor that played, played in, in this book as well, I think between this character and her sister. And it feels really authentic. I'm the oldest of four and my baby brother's 17 years younger than I am. I mean, same parents, but 
weird family planning, but, um, but my, like, I was not allowed to pursue writing as a, in college. In fact, we talked about this before we mm -hmm. got online. We both started down the road of medical school. You got yes. further than I got. Um, but my baby brother was a film major. Like, I was like, oh, what? Wow. He gets to go and study filmmaking and I can't even be a creative writing major. You know, it's, it is just, I mean, it's mostly a joke now, but it yeah, is no, interesting. It is interesting. Cause like when I was like, when I was younger, yeah, I wasn't allowed to date in high school. Right. I had to be home at a very specific time. I had to have a job. I had to do, I had to play an instrument in school. You know, I, there were a lot of things I had to do. And then when like my sisters came along, you know, my second sister didn't have to do as many of those things. And then my third sister, she got to kind of just relax. Well, it looked like funny? she had to relax. And that's right. It, I'm sure there were there her own challenges, but it, right, it does look, uh, so this is your third book. And we talked a little bit too about your publishing story. So can, can you tell us like, you know, how, how long did you write? How did it happen? Um, I mean, you can start by telling everyone how you were like into medical school. Yeah. Had done medical. Tell us that. Cause that's an interesting. Yeah, so I pivot. was actually in medical school and I was kind of getting burned out and I had a free kind of summer. So I thought, you know, I'm going to travel. And uh, my mother is from Sweden originally. So I, I traveled to Sweden and stayed with some family and did a lot of traveling around and then decided like, you know what, this isn't the right path. I'm not on the right path. And writing was something I'd always tried to do earlier. And I'd actually had been in a, in an MFA program in the United States. And I left it because my professor said, you don't pursue writing if you ever want a job, you pursue it because it's your passion. And that just scared me because I was like of really young and it, it just scared, it scared me to death. So then I, you know, went into the medicine direction. But once I was in there, I realized, you know what, my heart is in writing. And so I did some master's programs in Europe and got into writing. And actually my first book was my creative writing thesis for my master's degree at the University of Edinburgh. And my goal was to have the entire thing finished before graduation. We only had to have a hundred pages finished, but I wanted the whole book done before graduation. So I could walk across the stage and say, look, I did it. And I shopped it around to agents, didn't get anybody interested, um, but a few digital first publishers wanted it. And so I signed uh, my first two books with a publisher without an agent. And then it still can be done. It's rare. It can rare, be done. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a weird back direction of doing yeah. it. Um, yeah. But then when my second book was nominated for the ITW award, I went to the Thriller Fest in New York uh, where yeah. I met you. Yeah. And um, that's where I met my agent that I ended up signing with. So um, Thriller Fest, for those who haven't heard me talk about it before, is the um, International Thriller Writers Annual um, Conference. It's it's authors and aspiring authors, which is really fun because it's it's our sort of um, whole community. And if you're somebody who wants to be an author, and we actually get a lot of bookstagrammers now too, which I kind of love. Yes. They're, they're was, there. Yeah, there were a lot of them. It was fun. Yeah. It's a good, it's a really good place. It's expensive as all get out, but if it, it's worth it. And they have a thing called Pitch Fest, um, which I always participate in practice Pitch Fest where people can, you know, try their pitches. Um, but... Um, and they have like a, I mean, a lot of really amazing agents come they and they do sort of like a speed round dating and you listen and then they tell you, you can send your book. So that's amazing. I've heard yeah. so many great stories from Pitch It was, it was really amazing. And they actually have, um, they have the consult fest as well. So if you 
if you're not if you're a little bit afraid of the pitch fest because it's it can be kind of nerve-wracking you can do the consulate yeah. fest as well which is something i also did where you have 15 minutes alone with an agent and you can oh. show them the first five pages of your book and they'll just give you kind of you know i didn't basic, even know uh, about that one yeah and that's actually where I met the agent I ended up signing with. So that was that was really that was a really that was really worthwhile for somebody who's a little bit afraid of like the speed dating aspect of it yeah. to do the consult best one. Yeah. That's super smart. And so you get you meet with only one agent. No, you can sign you can meet up to four of them, fifteen okay. minute sessions. You send them the first five pages and your query letter ahead of time. And yes. it's it's not a pitch event. You're not allowed to pitch your book, but They've just read five pages of your writing sample. They've read your query. So if so they are interested, they right. can offer to you. And they can ask you about the story and you can talk exactly. about that. Oh, yeah. that's, yeah. Okay. That's new to me. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think the ITW, the Thriller um, Writers Organization does an incredible job of supporting. They really do. Um, aspiring and, you know, and existing authors. So, um, okay. So then in your third book, you sold through an agent to a different publisher. Same publisher, because I actually, it was funny, because when I was at ITW, when I was at the Thriller Fest, I actually got a request from my uh, current publisher. They wanted to sign me on for two more books. So I had been offered a renewal contract while I was at Thriller Fest. So that probably also worked in my favor at finding an agent. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so we just went ahead with that one. Um, and the And yeah, so. So this is it, book three, and out. then you have one more coming from them. Yeah, and I actually just finished book four yesterday. So, oh my gosh, that yes. that's the best feeling ever. Okay, so tell us, how do you, you know, when you're writing, how, you know, what's your, what's your sort of, um, we were talking about earlier, like finding the best time to write, which is a constant struggle. But, um, but you're writing full time now. So, what's your process like? Um, you know, do you plot? Do you all those things? Tell us about the book creation. Yeah. So it's a little bit different depending on which book it is for me. If the yeah. book is on contract and it hasn't been started yet and it has to be done by a certain date, then I absolutely 100% plot out everything because otherwise I won't finish on time, which is something I learned writing my second book, yeah. uh, which I tried to kind of pre-write um, and that did not work out uh, schedule-wise. So if it's mm -hmm. like the second book on a contract, I definitely plot it out very stringently from the beginning so that I know what's going to happen. But if it's the first book um, and I have more time, I like to kind of just free write the first 100 pages and kind of see what comes to me. Yeah. Usually I have an idea of what I want to happen somewhere in the middle and maybe an idea of what I want to happen at the end. So I have kind of a mental goalpost that I work towards, but I usually yeah. just try to kind of just experience the story, experience the character as it happens. And then after the 100 pages, I plot it so i don't end up going ridiculous directions okay so there's something now and since you can do either way what what feels different when you free write it feels looser it feels mm -hmm. in my head it feels more creative but not that it necessarily is it's just that it's more surprising because i haven't already planned out what's going to happen mm -hmm. in the next chapter uh that i don't actually know you know, is something surprising going to happen at the end of this that's going to switch the direction of the story? So that is the one thing I really like about the free writing aspect of it. It just can be very difficult to do on a time crunch. And for example, with my first contract, my second book had to be written and turned in within six months. But that was yeah. while I was editing my first book. So it kind of and I'm not really good at doing two things at the same time. So I kind of had to write the book in four months, which for me was extremely Challenging. 
yeah and without yeah. a plot without a plot it was almost impossible so yeah that's why You're like I ended no up thank you it. um no. so I'm curious um do you feel like at the end of of having done it both ways that like do you like a reader could tell which was done which way or you get to the same place it's just more fun to do it a certain way I think I end up getting to the same place. I don't think a reader can really tell. Maybe the the really experienced crime readers who read a lot of thrillers and just know the twists and turns that come with most stories. Maybe they can guess that some of it's plotted, but I feel like they don't read too plotted. I hope they don't read too plotted. Mm -mm. Um, No, I meant more like, I just meant more like, you know, does it feel like a more that the story ends up being more creative more twists oh. and turns because of that i think i end up having more twists and turns when i plot because then i can see yeah because i yeah. can see ahead of time what i'm doing and yeah. when i when i free write i kind of then you have to backtrack a lot uh you have to backtrack and be like oh well all of a sudden this happened well then sometime yeah, in the beginning the beginning of the book this has to everything. happen right yeah. right it, yeah it just, exactly it's interesting because i don't know many people who sort of do it two different ways i think a lot i think and i'm not i think a lot of authors start one way and then realize that that doesn't really work and it's like yeah. you said the sophomore book is what you know we call the second book it's sophomore hard. slump this is it's a really hard book to write because the first book you took as long as you needed, right? Exactly. I mean, it was like, and then all of a sudden they're like, okay, you're on a one a year schedule, which means we need this book like yesterday. And you're like, it just yeah. changed. And, and people do it with full-time jobs. And, you know, you might've been working at that full-time at that time too, but that yeah, makes the first it book. Like, yeah. all the more challenging, right? It it's does. So, and if you have yeah. a family or if you have other obligations, it just makes it even more difficult. The the book I just finished yesterday, actually, I tried the Jennifer Hillier method. Tell me Do about you know that. She, so no. she writes. I spoke to her, and she she's fantastic. Her books are her books are amazing. But she yeah, writes them out the of order. And that she is insane. Her, she just writes whatever scene comes to her is what I what I understand. She writes whatever scene comes to her, and at the end, she has this mismatch of scenes, and then she has to put them in the right order. And I kind of ended up doing that for my fourth book, not intentionally. It was not planned, but it ended up turning out that way. And uh, it was it was very difficult. I don't think I would do it again. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've been known to, do to it. yeah, I've been known to like see a scene, especially if it's towards the end of the book and being like, I'm just going to write this scene because it's in yes. my brain and I know I'm heading there. But like the middle, if I don't write it in order, I would just I think I'd just get totally lost. Yeah. That's I did. Okay. I did get a little bit lost, so I've, I I had to kind. Of, I have a lot to go through and edit. Now, that, yeah, you know, you know yeah. we say it's done. It's never really done. It's not done until it's actually like on a store shelf somewhere. And, that, and, and even then, then, it's only done because we are not allowed to change it anymore. Exactly. In my mind. I mean, yes. I the more I learn, the more I'm like, ooh, I would totally, I would rewrite every book I'd ever written. But thankfully, they won't let me do that because it would drive me absolutely insane. So okay, so t- tell us what is next. It sounds like. Karen, you've got a, um, you already, can you tell us a little bit about book four? So book four, it's another psychological thriller. It's another, um, it's about a young woman whose husband disappeared in the middle of the night with her infant son six years ago, and she's been searching for them ever since. And what happens when she finally catches up to him? 
I hope she kills him. Just kidding. <laughs> well, no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. No. no spoilers. I'm just saying, like, if that were yeah. yeah. So she, and the story is basically when she finally catches up to him, but she's not a hundred percent sure if it is him. Interesting. So That's it's kind of a. Fun. Do you have a title? A working title? Uh, my working title is the man in room seven. I love that because it takes well, it takes place in a motel. And I love it. I mean, I I don't know about you, but most of the titles I have created for my books get changed, so it's always fun. Yeah, my two. my yeah. first one stayed the same, but my second two were changed. Yeah, I think it's we're not the marketers, so we have to just nope. like go with them. So, um, so super fun. So you're in and you live now in Amsterdam, uh, not in Amsterdam, but in the Netherlands. Yes, I live in the Netherlands. But you're over. You come to Thriller Fest and stuff. Are you still? Are you planning to come this year? I am hoping to come to this year. Yes, that is my plan. I couldn't go last year uh, because I replaced my roof, which was more costly than I anticipated. But this year, I'm definitely hoping to be there for the for 2024. I love it. Okay, well, um, Karin, tell our listeners where to find you. I know you're active on Instagram. Um, what are your handles, website, all that good stuff? So my website is karinordin.com, and I am on Instagram at author. Uh, the same at Twitter and, well, now X, I guess. And I'm also on TikTok at Karin Nardin Author. Yeah. I love it. I, I, I love watching the TikTok stuff. That is like so beyond my, my skill set. Okay. And tell us now, this book is available in the U.S. as an ebook, right? And when yeah, so is it e- going to, yeah, when yeah, will it be so paperback? Sweet, yeah. Sweet Little Lies, the ebook and the audiobook are out now. Yeah. The UK paperback comes out on November 23rd, which technically you can get in the United States. You just have to order it from amazon.co.uk and pay a little bit of an extra shipping fee. But there will be a special US edition. Unfortunately, it won't come out until next fall. Oh, well. So we need to read this as an ebook right now and. Or as an audiobook, um, yeah. Or listen to it as an audiobook. Which the audiobook is fantastic. The audiobook is fantastic. I have to say, I. I just was blown away by the narrator on this one. She did a fantastic I, job. I love that. And a good narrator makes, um, you know, makes such a difference. I, I love it. The byline here, it says teenage, teenage girls can do some pretty awful things, which we know for a hundred percent to be true because yeah. <laughs> we've been teenage girls. <laughs> we and have been. I, I have raised a teenage girl. It's the truth. Um, this was so fun. I, I'm really excited. Yes. It was gr- great to meet you. I love that we met at Thriller Fest and connected. And um, and if you haven't seen Karen before, she's recently cut her hair super. Yes. I, before, yeah, before it was longer. I love the new, very bold. Very, I know. I was uh, a little bit afraid, but I thought, you know what? I've had the same hair for 21 years. It's time to be a little bit exciting. Let's just see if it works out. Yeah. It always it grows back, out. right? Exactly. That's the thing about hair, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not forever. So um, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, well, thank you so um, much for having me. This has been a blast. Absolutely. And look for Karin's books. It sounds like there's three out there. I'm going to get my hot hands on the other two. And um, this has been Killer Women with Karin Norton, and we will see you next time. Bye.